The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome and welcome. You know that means we have two guests today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio. Interesting topic. Let's get started. What's the buzz out there? Well, I have a really good quote for all of you. The customer's perception is your reality. Just let that sink in. Who said it? lady named Kate Zabriskie, Z-A-B-R-I-S-K-I-E. Her company is Business Training Works. You're getting the gist of this, I hope. She's the author of How May I Help You? Outstanding Telephone Courtesy and Customer Service. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on with customer service today. Our computers, our mobile phones, our devices can think, they can listen, they can learn, and they can speak to us in human-like cognitive interactions thanks to... Two magic letters, AI stands for artificial intelligence. You've heard us talk about this on many, many of our Game Changers shows. Now, smart companies are marrying. That's a marriage I'd like to see. AI-savvy bots, chatbots, you know, those things that talk to us with a human touch to help customer service reps prioritize better, respond better, respond faster, and even offer proactive solutions that may just eliminate the need for customer service altogether. Oh my, what would we do in a perfect world like that? So the question on the table is, can AI revolutionize your company's customer service interactions and your service models? We have a two-person panel today because they're so smart, we just need two. Let me tell you who they are and then we'll start with their opening quotes. First up in a moment, I'll be very pleased to welcome Bijoy Narayana. He's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Boots Capper, B-O-O-D-S-K-A-P-P-E-R. And we had one of his colleagues from Boots Capper, I think it was Sean Stuger on a couple of months ago here on Startup Focus. And joining Bijoy on the show today is Dave Katona, regular here on Startup Focus. He's the go-to-market for the Americas at SAP Startup Focus. So Bijoy has sent me a quote from... Mark Zuckerberg. Let me just refresh your memory. Mark Elliott Zuckerberg, born May 14, 1984, is an American computer programmer and internet entrepreneur. He's the chairman, the CEO, and co-founder of Facebook. If you're wondering what he's worth right now, well, put your hats down, put your seat belts on. Mark Zuckerberg's estimate estimated worth is $53.6 billion. He is the fifth richest person in the world. Do the math. He was born in 84. I'll let you figure that out. Here's the quote. I've never met anyone who likes calling a business and no one wants to have to install a new app for every service or business they want to interact with. That's the truth. Bijoy Narayana, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm good. How are you? 
I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Sean Stuger is your colleague at Boots Capper, right? Yes, he's a chief operating officer. He was on the he show was... a couple of months back. That's right, he was. So we're thrilled to have you. So talk to me. Are you a big fan, follower of Mark Elliott Zuckerberg? And did you know he was that rich, Bijoy? Yeah, I follow him. Uh, I am a very big fan of Mark. Yes, uh, I, I read up uh, almost everything he writes, he talks. Yeah, I, I, I do know that he was that rich, yes. So talk to me about the quote. You picked a quote very purposefully on this topic. Exactly. I've never met anyone who likes calling a business. So tell me what that means to our topic today. We're talking about marrying AI with what we talk, what we used to call human customer service. What's your point of view on this? Yes. Yeah. Mark has been trying to push uh, Facebook Messenger as a business platform for the last two years. And uh, uh, the basic idea is that they're not going to be advertising that much on Facebook Messenger. Instead, they want to build that into a business platform, meaning people can build on Messenger and they can, they can, create, they can build chatbots and they can uh, put their business rules and uh, workflows and frameworks into that and then use that for, for interacting with the businesses. Uh, think about it, like uh, 1.7 billion people right now have that app already installed on, the, on their phones. So if it, when you think about your phone, it's a small device with uh, limited real estate. So space on the phone is at a premium. And if you don't have to install anything, that, 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 that's a very big deal. I've worked on many e-commerce projects. I think if you, if you avoid the step of having the user to install something, then the adoption rate would go up by a factor of 10. So Facebook is solving that first problem. You have nothing to install. So it's the least amount of friction you can expect. After that, they give you a really cool interface, a chat interface uh, with, uh, with really nice UI as well. And then you can, you can use your business rules. For example, a large company can use their, their business rules. And, uh, and, and then you can, you can build up on, on, on Messenger. So that absolutely takes away the need to call a business, right? You, are, you will be chatting with the business just like you're chatting with a friend. And if anything, people love to, uh, love to message on the phones. I mean, that, that we have seen. And a lot of young people, my daughter, for example, I never see her calling on the phone. She's always texting. So people love to do that. And uh, in the last uh, 10 years, I would say, we have trained about 2 billion people to type with two fingers. So that problem is also solved. <laughs> so you can use Messenger, nothing to download. You can talk to the business. You can communicate with the business, get your thing done. So that's a cool solution. That's where the quote is coming from. Okay, thank you very much. I like that a lot, and we're going to be speaking a lot more with you, Bijoy. Let me now welcome our second panelist, no stranger to Startup Focus. He's almost uh, on every show now, Dave Katona, uh, go-to-market for the Americas for SAP Startup Focus. Dave has sent us a quote from Alan Turing, also another giant in the computer world. His full name was Alan Matheson Turing, T-U-R-I-N-G. He lived from 1912 to 54, was really quite young, an English computer scientist, a math mathematician, a logician, a crypt analyst, a theoretical biologist, and he's widely considered to be the father of theoretical computer science and artificial intelligence. Well, I didn't know that, Dave. Here's the quote Dave has selected from Alan Turing. I believe that at the end of the century, the use of words in general educated opinion will have altered so much that no, that I'm sorry, that one will be able to speak of machines thinking without expecting to be contradicted. Wow. Welcome back, Dave. How are you? 
Fantastic, Bonnie. It's great to be back. Thank you very much. Love the quote. Talk to me. What's he really saying here? Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I did not realize uh, in, until, you know, started getting more and more into artificial intelligence how much he had really sort of uh, predicted uh, so many years ago and talked about uh, what, you know, the power uh, of computing could eventually evolve into and that really uh, saw the, uh, the capabilities of computing power evolving into what I call compute thinking power. And uh, I, I've always been fascinated with that. And I didn't really pay much attention to, to Alan Turing until uh, there was a movie about him uh, that came out a couple of years ago um, called The Imitation Game. And mm-hmm. then I started doing a little bit more research on his background and really got interested in him and started, you know, realizing how many quotes and how many, you know, things really came from him. And really the vision um, he had uh, in such a short life has really come to fruition. And it's, in a, it's almost like a technology version of, of a Nostradamus at the time. Um, predicting these things, you know, in, you know, and, you know, 50 or 60 years is literally, you know, centuries in, in technology years. Um, and, and seeing the evolution, um, that has come to fruition, uh, in, in some of the things that he had, he had really predicted and, and discussed and having, you know, people literally having computers think today. Uh, and it's specifically around AI, machine learning, and I, I've always been impressed with the with the way that what he was working with and what he was starting with, the way things have evolved over the last half century is is quite I think quite amazing. It is quite amazing, and he was very young. I'm doing the math, Dave. He was just 42 years old when he passed away, but what a brilliant mind. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued that he was considered the father of artificial intelligence. We talk about it so often. Maybe it should be Turing's AI or something like that. I, th- I think we need to give more credit here. Very interesting. By the way... Um, I'm going to just circle back around before we do the what's in your cup and where you're calling from. I'd like to get a response from both Bijoy Narayana at Boots Capper and Dave Katona at SAP Startup Focus on the quote I selected for my opening, what the segment I call the buzz, the customer's perception is your reality. First of all, has either one of you ever heard of this Kate Zabriskie, the author of How May I Help You? Outstanding Telephone Courtesy and Customer Service. Bijoy, you ever heard of the lady? No, I have not. I, I, I have not heard about, heard about her. And Dave, what about you? No. Interesting. I was just, yeah. I like to uh, play with Google and just yeah. look for quotes on topics, and I thought this was so so important. So really, isn't that what we're, we're talking about? We talk about machines learning and thinking and responding and, and marrying this artificial intelligence and machine learning with the human touch to make customer service better. Isn't it really the outcome, Bejoy? Isn't it really what is the customer's perception? Are they happier? Do they feel they've been treated well? Do they feel that they've been treated more intelligently through AI than perhaps with just a purely human interface. Is, isn't this really the bottom line for businesses, is how do your customers perceive you? Bajoy first? Yeah, Bonnie, the, the, court is, uh, the court is very, very thought-provoking, yes. Uh, yeah, that, that is the million-dollar question, right? So uh, when, when, when you adopt AI for customer service, um, first of all, you worry whether whether people are going to your customers are going to accept it. So we have been talking to 
uh, to, to our clients, and uh, that is that is one thing they point out. Like, is it acceptable for, for to ask your uh, consumers to talk to a to, to a machine instead of a human being? So, I think that change is going to take a few uh, some time. Uh, I think uh, a certain kind of uh, companies and retailers and brands would adopt it first. And uh, there is a large amount of people, a large number of people, especially the millennials like, uh, and people who are very savvy with computers and so on. So they probably won't, won't uh, take offense to talking to a, to a machine because they themselves think of it as a great idea. They know, they know the idea. So I, I think there is going to be a slow adoption. But it, it's, a, it's a very important consideration for many of our clients. Like, is it what is the appropriate thing for the brand to do? So many people, uh, this is interesting, many people are considering an internal use case for AI, meaning something within the company, so they can understand how it works and they can get a feedback from their own employees before mm-hmm. they take it to the consumers. That's, that's one way people are solving that problem. Thank you, Bajoy. Very thoughtful answer. Very interesting. Uh, Dave, agree or disagree with Bajoy? What's your thought on the customer's perception if they know they're talking to a bot, a smart bot, but a bot? Yeah, it's interesting because I look at the evolution of even just my personal experience of, you know, talking to bots and literally physically talking to bots. I, I've been a, you know, a globetrotter for years of my career and, you know, being a frequent flyer, getting really excited about the fact that once my airline switched over from me actually having to phone and sit online and, and wait for an actual human to pick up the phone in order to change a reservation, et cetera, being able to, you know, at some point be able to literally, you know, speak my frequent flyer number into the phone and, you know, be able to say, oh, I have a, you know existing reservation, I just want to change it, and then end up at the end of the day talking to a human but being able to speed through that process without having to type in my frequent flyer number because I was on the move. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there, there are some things where I, I, I see uh, applicability and an excelling, um, you know, to a, what I always focus on is, is being able to delight the customer. Uh, I also see in some situations it frustrating the customer, and it's mm-hmm. applying what I call the right practices, processes, and tools that focus on delighting the customer. And I see a lot of uh, companies, uh, what I call experimenting, with capabilities and technologies, some of them with, with what I call good success, some of them with not so much success. And it gets down to how do you apply those technologies, but at the end of the day, it's always about delighting the customer and, and creating that, you know, that, that great customer experience. Um, and I've, I've seen some fantastic things um, that have been done in the marketplace, but it also gets down to are the customers even ready for some of these advancements? Are they too advanced in some places? Um, and, you know, how useful really are they? And it gets down to, um, you know, I, I'm always amazed with being able to literally text and chat with what you think is a human on the other end. It's, it's unbelievable what some of this technology can do, but it's being able to apply it to the right situation uh, with, you know, with the right interaction but it's always about, for me, technology is just that, technology, and it's about solving that right business problem. And we have to be careful on how, how we balance those two between technology and solving those business problems. 
Thank you, Dave. Very interesting. I have a little anecdote to share with both of you and with our audience. I've recently started to receive calls that sound like they're from a human. Uh, They turned out to be a bot, I think, but let me ask the two of you. The call starts like this. Hello? 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 Uh, Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. There's something wrong with my headset. Oh, I have it on right now. Hello. How are you? And at that point, I'm saying, well, hello, how are you? Who is this? Oh, well, I'm, I'm Bobby Sue Jones, and I'm from the such and such. You've just, I have to tell you what you've just won. At that point, I don't, still don't know that it's not a human. And I'm talking to her and saying, no, thank you, and getting ready to, and she's still going on now with the sales pitch. You've won three boats and 15 planes and a couple of lobsters, and she's throwing it all in. And I'm saying goodbye, Bobby. And she's just, so then I realized, so they're trying to make the bot. Dave and Bejoy sound like a human who has fumbled her headset. Dave, what's your reaction to that one? I'm on to her, by the way. My reaction is I received one of those calls, and I got sucked in as well for, for like the first 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, who is this? It's a, it, it's a human. I'll, I'll give him a couple seconds. And then I, I, I started to realize that this is, this is not a human talking to me. This, yeah. is, this is a bot. And it's fascinating to see, again, the level uh, that you can get to with the technology uh, and the way that it can, it can be applied. And, and it, this is where I almost start to get scared mm-hmm. <laughs> at some point, where uh, um, y- y- you can use technology for good and in some cases use it for what I call robocalling evil. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's fascinating to see the power of this. There are uh, some great ways, to, and again, it gets down to you know focusing on AI, you know, for a customer experience or, or for enabling those business processes. But it is very, very powerful. It, it certainly is. And what what intrigued me and Bajoy, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is that they tried to make the bot sound like a human who was being very human by fumbling her headset and being adorable. I mean, this this bot is just adorable. But on the second time, I said, "Oh, it's Bobby Sue again." I slammed it down. But the second time was to tell because it was the same person. Bajoy, have you ever encountered that? And what are your thoughts on trying to humanize the bot? Uh, Bonnie, um, I have personally not. Um, but I, I, my, my own view on that is uh, that that's, that I disagree. They should they should not be doing it. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they're doing the industry any service by uh, by pretending that uh, by deliberately trying to make it appear like a human. I think it is it is better uh, to be uh, just open about it, like uh, that you are actually uh, chatting or talking to an AI powered engine, and then at any point you can move to a human being if you have to. People are going to accept it. This is a little bit counterintuitive, uh, but three years back when the, um, when the robocalls were just that, I mean, they actually could not understand much. They, you have to go through a particular script. And then, then, yeah, they are robocalls. But now this is like almost human-like. You can, it can actually function properly, and it can give you the same amount of service without any wait time, and you have it 24-7. It's uh, you understand that it is much less expensive to your provider and it's going to be beneficial to you too. People will accept it over time. I think uh, bringing some tricks into it and deliberately trying to deceive people, I think it's going to be counterproductive in the long run. So I think it is, and I, I, I also believe that large corporations would be a friend and that is what we are uh, hearing from our clients. So you have a board, it can do things and it, it, if it cannot, it'll, 
pass you on to a human being, being upfront and straightforward about that, that at the very least, uh, that is what we should do. So uh, that, that's my opinion. Thank you very much. I, I agree with you, not not trying to fool people and annoy them, and it's twice as annoying. And Dave and I are on to you, Bobby Sue. That's not the name she uses, but she's just adorable. One day I just want to let her spill her guts and say, no, hang up and see whether, whether she has a response to that. <laughs> so now it's time to get a little personal with our guests. Be joined, Ariana. I'd love to know where you're calling from and what's in your cup today. If you're drinking something interesting that makes you happy, if not, what would you rather have in your cup? Be joined. Yeah, Bonnie, like I'm just having water right now, but I will be having something interesting after the show, especially if the show goes well. So I will be opening a (laughs) bottle of wine and then celebrating Valentine's Day almost as soon as we finish. Oh, that's so nice. So where are you calling from right now, Bijoy? I'm in Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Okay, very interesting. Yes. And what kind of wine would that be? That would be nothing fancy, just plain on uh, old Merlot. So that is what I will go to my, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll open and uh, my wife is going to be coming back and, and I, will, I will stop working at around noon today. Very nice. I'm wishing, oh, I have to wish both of you a happy Valentine's Day, of course, I did on our earlier show. Dave Katona, where are you and what's in your cup today for this very special day of love? I'm in what looks like a pretty sunny Palo Alto, California today. Okay. And uh, I'm usually a Diet Coke fiend, but today I, it's cold enough that I'm actually drinking a, a, a lovely uh, latte that I got right before we started the radio show, which I'm really enjoying and warming up with. That sounds... Well, now, wait a minute. Let's define Palo Alto and cold. In what vocabulary do those two go together? Okay. What's the temperature, All right. Dave? Let, 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 let's be Come quite on. honest. It's, it's, it's in the 50s today. Okay, I'm I'm Googling morning. right now to see what our New York weather is. Well, we are, oh, my goodness, we're at 32 right now here on Long there Island, 32 degrees. So, And it's yeah. going up to 44 tomorrow. And, yeah, we're, we're playing with that freezing mark. We had about eight inches of snow up, oh, was it last weekend? And I understand Boston took a hit that we didn't get yesterday. So we're, we're delighted that the snow is not quite melted, but there's no more coming right now. So there, so it's a nice Valentine's Day at 32 degrees, even I'm warm inside. As Dave knows, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, but Dave, I did have a little sip of a very good uh, decaf uh, Nespresso before the show. And you know, there's always a little bit, tiny bit of caffeine in it. So I'm a little, little bit happy buzz for Valentine's Day here. But normally I'm drinking water in a cool, clear mug and I have a pink straw because because of B-Joy and because of Dave and because of Christina Sosa, who put together this show, the sun is shining here in New York. So thank you, Christina, A.L. and all of you. We appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. We have a very interesting topic today, Beyond Customer Service Offshoring, Customer Service Reinvented by A.I. We're talking about bots that chat, that think, that feel, that make you think they're human. Should they or shouldn't they? What are the ethics? What is the etiquette of a bot that wants you to think you're talking to a human? And do we really need that? What kinds of customer service interactions and service models can your company be creating with this new technology? Will it take you where you want to go? And going back to Kate Zabriskie's quote, the customer's perception is your reality. That's really all that it comes down to. Are they delighted? We'll find out more from our two featured panelists today. Be joined Ariana at Bootscapper, and he'll tell us after the break a little bit about what his company does so we can refresh that. And Dave Katona at SAP Startup Focus. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, so I don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Michael out. 
In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Indeed, we're back talking about beyond customer service offshoring, reinvented by AI. That's artificial intelligence. My two special panelists are Bijoy Narayana at Bootscapper and Dave Katona at SAP Startup Focus. Bijoy, before we start the roundtable in earnest, I'd love to have you give us a two-minute overview of what's going on with Boots Capper these days. We had your colleague, your COO on a few months ago, but for people who are new to the show, I'd love for you to tell us what does Boots Capper do? Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Um, the name uh, Boots Capper is actually an Afrikaans word that means messenger, the guy who runs around and uh, delivers mail to you. So we were planning to build a company and the, all the products that we built, we wanted them to be conversation-based. So uh, there, is, there is no app to be uh, worked on. Everything is conversational. You can, you can basically tell the system what needs to be done by either typing or talking, and then it would, it would, uh, it would work. So that is basically the definition of the chatbot. Uh, and then uh, the, the differentiator for us is the second part of the equation. So let me, let me take a step back and talk about a human being. Like if you hire an employee that employee has to come with an understanding of natural language. A person should be able to talk. That's, that's, that's assumed. It's a given. People are able mm-hmm. to have conversations, meaning they are able to understand sentences in context. That's, that's important. So that's the first part of the equation. The second part is they then need some training in the business application. You don't hire a person and expect him or her to be productive on day one. You typically would give them some business training. Uh, what it basically means is you're training them in your mass data, your business rules, your processes, and, and so on. So what we, we have built and we have patent, uh, patented work on that uh, is a framework where you can t- uh, take our software and train it on your, your mass data, your business rules, workflows, and, fra- uh, and frameworks. So that, that completes the equations. Now you have, a, you have software that understands conversation and once it understands, it knows what to do in your in your system and what are the rules to be followed. So that's basically what our company is. 
and then uh, we have built certain use cases um, on on this framework. Uh, uh, I'll I'll give you an example. One would be mm-hmm. customer service. Like uh, you can, if you're a large airline, for example, you can nearly completely automate your customer service. The example that Dave was giving, if you if you want to change your uh, reservation to another flight, you could just be chatting, and it immediately would identify you. And it would know what is the pricing rules on your your system, whatever whatever your backend system for pricing is. Uh, for example, if uh, depending on your status with the airline, you might have a different rule for a different set of uh, kind of customers. So we are able to follow that rule just like an employee would follow that rule. So that is where the differentiator comes in. So um, that 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 is what Bootscapper does. Thank you very much. Good to know that. And now let's look at your notes for the roundtable. And I'm circling down. Here we go. Here's your first comment in the, in the uh, notes you sent me for the roundtable. Be joy. And, and I'll have you talk for about two minutes, and then we'll get Dave Katona to chime in with us. You say first, advances in AI in the last two to three years have made it possible for us to create digital employees, and you put that in caps, in areas like customer service. They can perform at near human levels, and just like human employees, they learn with experience, which in this context is data. So why don't we pull this definition out a little bit more, Bijoy, and then we'll have Dave chime in. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been working on this space, uh, Bonnie, for about uh, six years now. So the advances that have been made in the last two years or maybe three years, is, um, is the, we're cutting into, into an area, in, into a space where actually making a digital employee is possible. So it was not possible, in my opinion, uh, by anyone two years back. No, no one could have made made software that that was more or less like a human employee performing customer service or plan maintenance and things like that about two years back. So uh, the algorithms that understand language enough and and able and and with the capability to maintain context, meaning it can follow a conversation. So that that piece of the puzzle is now solved it is possible it, and that is and uh, that that is there and now companies like ours have been working on solving the second part of the equation uh, training the software in uh, in in understanding the business rules mass data etc of the client so that that uh, part of the equation is also getting solved and and the more important thing uh, is that this this is a learning software it's not static so as you have more data uh, it 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 gets better, so that is very similar to an a human experience, right? You, if you hire a person, that person definitely gets better with experience. Uh, similar to that, as you have more conversations, more uh, different kind of conversations, different kind of pivoting in in conversations and so on. So the software is able to the sphere of understanding grows. So that's really amazing to watch. Like as you train the software, and it, it's really a uh, really a unique experience. I mean, you, 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 uh, you're really puzzled and amazed at uh, how the software learns and how the experience gets better. Thank you very much. Dave Katona, thoughts about that learning curve? What do you observe? Yeah, this gets down to, you know, a little bit of what we were talking about before and kind of the amazement um, in some of the interactions. Uh, when you talk about AI, and the ability for um, you know capabilities like uh, from Bootscopper to actually learn as you go, um, and th- this is where it gets really interesting in being able to have literally, truly what I call natural language types of conversations. Um, and I've seen u- use cases, you know, even specifically from from 
bootscopper where it's literally, you know, go into a grocery store and say, hey, I'm going to be cooking dinner for four. I want some chicken. And, you know, uh, what, what are the suggestions for a recipe? And you literally start to have a natural language conversation. And it's that learning and it's literally, you know, creating. I really like uh, the way um, uh, B-Joy describes this in creating digital employees where they literally learn more and more constantly and you get smarter and smarter and smarter um, from, from a, uh, a chatbot perspective um, uh, to the point where it's natural, what I call natural language conversations, not so uh, chunky, you know, where it used to be, you know, having to, t- what I call talk within a box mm-hmm. um, the way it is typically when you, you know, when you go and ask a question on a wiki or anything like that, have to go type in a specific question, get a response. This is much more, you know, natural language because you've got such a smart digital employee on the other end. Very interesting. You know, this is uh, evoking my memories of a movie called Her 2013 starring uh, Joachim Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson and Amy Adams. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was the voice of a, a very humanoid operating system with whom the lead male character fell in love. Do you remember that, Dave? Oh, it was uh, what I call Siri with a real personality. Yeah, I know. So so before we go to some of Dave's notes, I want to stay on this topic. Uh, I mentioned in the beginning something about etiquette and ethics. So, Bijoy, since you brought up the idea of a digital employee, we talk about this on other Game Changer shows. We were discussing robots, you know, the robot employee population. So I'll ask the same question. Would these digital employees, would they have an employee HR profile? Would they have a resume or a CV, if you prefer that way? Would they have a handbook for how they operate? What if they had a day where they felt very feisty and had too much caffeine before they got on the phone and they said something untoward, meaning rude or offhanded, that upset a customer? And then we go back to our Kate Zabriskie's The Customer's Perception is Reality. Your chatbot treated me badly, Bob. I don't want to do business with your company anymore. So any thoughts about that? I'm really not trying to be facetious or funny. I'm I'm serious in terms of the training, the ethics, the etiquette in the hands of the right trainer, the right data to make sure that they really do convey the brand you want to convey in a delightful experience. Bijoy, any thoughts about digital employees? Yeah, Bonnie, that, uh, what you asked is a million-dollar question. I mean, that, I, I understand you're not being uh, funny. or I, it, That is the most serious question on the topic, really. So uh, the, the idea is this, like uh, when, you, when you train an employee, uh, when you take it, uh, take the AI side of it, there are two things: understanding and then expressing the understanding. Meaning, meaning uh, the sentences that you you talk or you text back to the user. So, what we are doing, for example, the second part, we are not giving the bot any freedom. So, we are not the everything that is actually uh, given to the consumer that is typed back to the consumer is predefined. We are not letting the bot learn on it and frame its own sentences. That, I think, is too dangerous right now. So uh, that, that could give to a situation where the bot learns from other, other behavior from elsewhere or from the Internet or from, and then, then uh, frame its own sentences that, that, that we are not doing it. I, I, think, I think we are not at the stage where we, that, is, that is going to be acceptable to major brands. Uh, we, uh, we let the bot learn uh, but the expression itself is um, typed in 
bias it's it's already already pre populated uh, with only variables allowed in that so in in a sentence maybe the price uh, where exactly the aisle where a particular item is stocked that could be a variable so then you can cater to millions of variables millions of articles and and and, and the sentence would appear as though it is randomly changing but at the root of it it is it is a framed sentence so the tone of the conversation uh, etc mm-hmm. can be controlled by us completely so we can we can make it very formal or we can make it a uh, little bit chatty all that can be completely controlled by the brand uh, and and the and the bot itself will not change it so that will remain more or less static but we can make it interesting enough but still controlled so i think that is a very important point to consider in the design of the solution Thank you. Glad it's a million-dollar question. Dave, let's see if we can elevate this to a billion-dollar question. Do you agree or disagree with Bajoy's comments on how to keep those sentences, how to keep the construction of the learning and the data so that it is controlled and you don't get a, a cranky or irritable or just plain nasty chatbot on a phone with a customer? What's your thought, Dave? I, I, I call it to preventing the rogue bot. And... Um, and pun intended, uh, and it, it, it gets down to, we have to remember that, you know, we create these things, we control these things, and um, there's some freedom that actually comes from this because it is truly artificial intelligence, and it starts with artificial. And um, as, as we evolve in understanding how to manage these things, um, you know, I, I see huge opportunity. I did absolutely agree with B. Joyce's comments here. It, it, it's, you know, we, we want them to be human-like, but at the end of the day, um, it's, it's, it's easier actually at this point to control the behavior of these, uh, of these AI, you know, chatbots than it is human because humans are, you know, much more complex today. But as these bots get more complex, then it gets down to, you know, how do you, how do you truly manage these? But it's a lot easier to put, you know, logical rules in place that says once you do this once, don't do it again, as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to train a human, you know, to, to stop, uh, you know, uh, 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 prevent bad behavior. Because we just, humans always have, you know, bad behavior, um, you know. Uh, that we, we, we make mistakes all the time, repeatedly. So I, I, I agree with B. Joyce's comments. It's just a matter Very of interesting. You know, how complex are we going to get over time with these bots? simmering just under the surface. Uh, Very, very interesting. Dave, I want to go to one of your topics before we turn to an article by Mm -hmm. Elon Musk about will AI take away jobs from humans. I think that's that's what people are really concerned about. I'm looking at your notes, Dave, and let's see. Oh, let's talk about voice as a service. You say Amazon has just launched Alexa's platform as voices. Is that V-A-A-S? This is a potential game changer in respect to extending AI to true voice engagement across any application, bringing the power of AI directly to the customer's own ear seamlessly. And Dave says, we'll have to see how it takes off. Dave, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this gets down to uh, at the beginning of the show when I talked about uh, how excited I was as a frequent traveler, um, being able to, you know, just speak into the phone my frequent flyer number for the first time years ago when I was flying on American Airlines and I had just finally introduced this so I didn't have to type my, you know, my frequent flyer number for, you know, as I was traveling. I was just 
you know, really thankful that I didn't have to do that. Now we're at a point where um, you've got you know, folks like Bootscopper that have these AI chatbots, and Amazon has just recently announced um, this voice-as-a-service platform that basically, and, and there, there are other platforms out there, don't get me wrong, but uh, the fact that Amazon is, has announced this, that you can take and with literally any platform be able to, or any application be able to plug this on-demand uh, voice as a service into your app is going to make a lot of apps very powerful and, you know, give them, you know, essentially the power of Alexa across literally every domain. So, you know, if I want to talk to everything from my lighting to, you know, my, my customer service, I can do that. And it's going to be interesting to see what domains really grasp onto this and how much it really takes off because Alexa's cool um, and we've all seen the commercials. Some of us have them, um, but it gets down to how pervasive is this really going to be throughout um, business and enterprise software uh, like the Bootscrapper focuses on and, you know, true customer service. And is this going to be something that customers will really uh, – adapt to and adopt. Um, do we re- really want to talk all the time? Or mm-hmm. is texting going to be about as far as we want to get? Because I know I don't always feel comfortable talking out loud to my phone unless I'm talking to a human. Mm-hmm. Very, very good point. That's the that's the customer side. That's the human side. Uh, I'm looking at an article. We're going to switch gears here a little bit to our, our regular listeners. Going to change the change the agenda a little bit. Instead of waiting until the next nine minutes to start our crystal ball predictions round, we're going to look into the future just a little bit with an article by Arjun Karpal. Published yesterday, thank you to Dave Katona for bringing this to our attention, Monday, February 13, 2017. The article is called Elon Musk, Humans Must Merge with Machines or Become Irrelevant in the AI, that's Artificial Intelligence Age. And let me just read a little bit of time here, a little bit here. He says, over time, I think we'll probably see a closer merger of biological intelligence and digital intelligence, Musk told an audience at the World Government Summit in Dubai, where he also launched tests. Tesla in the UAE. It's mostly about the bandwidth, the speed of connection between your brain and the digital version of yourself, particularly output. He said what he meant by saying that, he explained what he meant by saying that computers can communicate at a trillion bits per second, while humans, whose main communication method we know is typing with our fingers on a mobile device, right, Dave, we can do about 10 bits per second. So we're looking at a trillion versus 10. Humans would be useless, so there's a need to merge with machines when AI threatens to become widespread. Let me stop there. So um, let me go to you, Bijoy Narayana at Bootscopper. What do you think about this article? What's the? Are robots really going to take our jobs? How do we merge humans to keep us still in the workforce? Hi, I'm Bonnie. Like uh, going back to the opening statement, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, these mm-hmm. are the two heroes of mine, like uh, in the U.S. business world. I mean, these are the two entrepreneurs and uh, technologies that I look up to. Um, and uh, Elon Musk has been talking about this uh, some kind of uh, 
a layer that uh, that 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 can that can i think he's he i'm not really sure whether he has patented he has applied for the patent for it or or he is going to but uh, this whole thing is about uh, uh, I, the basic idea is that you can implant something into the into your body without a major surgery it's going to be a minor surgery and then that would provide a layer between your brain and uh, and and a computer so he has been talking about it for i think 6 to 9 months uh, mm-hmm. and uh, people have uh, kind of pictureized it and things like that and uh, suddenly in dubai he came came up with this idea again like uh, this uh, trillion bytes per second so basically talking about uh, the ability for us to uh, to output information that is coming in 10 bits uh, per second uh, and with a com- with a computer interface to the human brain you could be you could be outputting so much more um, 100 billion times more and things like that uh, as a practical example let's say if you're writing a book you probably could finish the book in a in a in a second if you are if you have a, a, a bionic layer between your brain and your uh, you and, and the machine so that, that that sort of thing so um that is that is one area i'm i'm not exactly sure how all these things fits together in his mind but he has also been talking about um i mean there is a big debate going on between uh, between the titans in this area Elon Musk and uh, Stephen Hawking and uh, Bill Gates mm-hmm. and all taking this point of view that AI could be very dangerous and there could be an inflection point where AI gets out of control it goes out on its own and uh, try to learn and then then that becomes a super intelligent uh, creatures of the universe um and then there are people like uh, Mark Zuckerberg who who take this point of view that oh yeah yeah that that is a possibility but that's like uh, worrying about uh, traffic in Mars uh it it might happen but we are nowhere near that i seem to agree with that like uh if you if you are really familiar with where the where the boundaries are right now you tend to agree more with um, mark zuckerberg saying so it is it is and and also to add to it uh, elon musk has started this open ai forum uh, that mm-hmm. is that is his investments to make sure that ai is developed in a controlled manner so um yeah this interesting times Very interesting times. Well put. Dave Katona, you brought this article to my attention. I thank you very much. What do you think? Well, it, it, it really the, the, there are a few points that he, he you know, Elon Musk is making. You know, one is that, you know, AI is is not only here to stay, but it's going to be growing rapidly and I I I get it gets down to I I look at the ability to scale this and uh the you know i i look at uh it, it, th- this thing's going to be pervasive and i i'm i'm predicting myself that ai is going to be pervasive and scale and grow almost uh at the rate uh according to moore's law in in the semiconductor space where it's going to just scale tremendously and he warns of this that you know ai you know could be a threat but i i i guess i'm a little bit more of an optimist where i see it helping us um in, in in better ways but there's also a warning that comes along with it and this gets down to you know what I call you know um you know g- good bots versus rogue bots um and there there will be um and the risk is having some jobs displaced as there has been a pattern 
of having core manufacturing jobs displaced by, um, you know, uh, automation and robotics in, man, you know, core manufacturing. Um, driverless cars are going to displace some humans um, because of mm-hmm. on, autonomous vehicles. AI will uh, and has already started to displace some of your traditional, you know, call center people. And this is going to be a trend um, over time uh, where it, it gets down to, you know, fundamentally, the more, uh, you know, automation, artificial intelligence, as it becomes more pervasive, there's, there's going to be a, sh- a shift or reduction in human workforce. Uh, so there's, there's a, a, a threat, but I, I, it, I don't look at it as, a, as necessarily a hyper threat at this point. Um, but I also look at it on, on, on a positive side that we can use this in such a way that we can make huge leaps and bounds, uh, you know, to really drive um, some true innovation, new business models, and hopefully, you know, uh, really do some really interesting things faster um, using some of these technologies. Dave, let me let me ask you and be joy a question, a human question, and we are. I will ask you each for your sixty second prediction in just a moment. Um, leadership is it up to leadership in companies that are seeing their workers potentially be replaced by bots and by robots, chatbots, any kind of bot, bot, bot you want? Um, but there's a bot. They might be saying that was the employee saying. Is it up to leaders to say it's time to retrain? It's time to retrench? Time to come up with new initiatives to keep workers in the workforce in meaningful jobs and help them reeducate, relearn. And I know that's supposed to be illiteracy, and in uh, our age is not not being able to read and write. It's not being able to unlearn and relearn. So, do you think that has to come from the top down and companies and industries, Dave. I, 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 you know, this is an interesting uh, and challenging question. Uh, one is I, I, I'm, I, I come from the, the the perspective that it it's always about the the greater good. So I, I always side on, on on the part that yes, um, that there should be some some what what I call corporate. You know, social responsibility uh, on, on behalf of the corporations that are going to be benefiting from this. Um, two is, uh, I think, especially in in the U.S., we are behind the curve as far as uh, retraining and you know, really what I call it, at the end of the day, repurposing you know, human talent um, in the right direction. Uh, I think there's uh, many more opportunities out there for you know us smarter humans um, that you know we we should be uh, really pushing the envelope and getting more people uh, trained in different areas uh, to take advantage of technology as it's evolving rapidly. Uh, so I, I absolutely think that there there is some responsibility to be placed upon corporations and. You know, and and you know, really the the, the greater government to, uh, to to push for this, um, you know, training and coming up with new skills. And it even starts in school. Um, I, I think we're behind the curve. 
Thank you, Dave. I want to get Bijoy Narayana's point of view on this. I know we started out talking about the, the surge in bots, and they're going to be so great for customer service, but let's also do the human side of the equation. Uh, what do you think about where the initiative should come from to train and retrain humans so that they can stay working? Bijoy? Yeah, Bonnie. So, um, so let, let, let me let me uh, let me also look at it uh, from the societal and the political side of things. So, the first imp- impact of uh, two sides of the equation. The first uh, thing about um, artificial intelligence is that products and services are going to be super cheap. Think about it. Like, if the car is going to drive itself, then um, you are. Um, the, the the money it takes for you to move from point A to point B is going to be let's say twenty five thirty percent of what you're paying now. So that's a given, right? So when you when you take a taxi, uh, the the large uh, component of what you're paying is going into the into the uh, labor of the of the driver. So if mm-hmm. that is going to be taken off the equation, products and services are going to be very cheap. That's that's a plus side. Uh, but then uh, human labor is becoming unnecessary, so that that's that's the difficult uh, side of things that 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 we need to we need to figure out. But in my opinion, uh, and um, I think we, I strongly believe in the capability of the technology. We have crossed the inflection point. It is going to act more or less like humans. Uh, 90-95% of what we are doing. Uh, can be done uh, better by the machine in the next 10 years. I mean, that's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's saying something. We're talking about not just customer service and uh, things like that. We're talking about professions like um, doctors and things like that, where, where I, I strongly believe that machines are going to be much more equipped than human beings. So that, it's a big societal change. I think in the end, it is going to be the leadership from the politicians that, that, that would become very important. In the end, I think we'll have to have a society where there is uh, universal baseline income uh, that, uh, that people need to have. Uh, mm-hmm. Money is, and the capital is going to be concentrated in few hands who have the technology and so on. Labor is not going to be that important in the equation. It's going to be replaced by the machine. So the politics and uh, laws and things have to catch up with that. We're, going through, we're talking about a very big change, maybe much bigger than industrialization itself. And in my view, it's going to be in the end when all this prob- when everything catches up to the technology, things are going to be better. People are going to have free time, and and uh, and and the work is going to be more rewarding when you have it. And people and yeah, I I uh, I think we'll figure out a way so that in the end, uh, technology serves humanity, and it's not the other way. Thank you very much. I'm going to give you each a one-sentence prediction because we're just about at the end of our clock here. Yes, we're very, very close. Bijoy Narayana, Boots Copper, one sentence. What do you predict would be different about this conversation if we get together, the three of us, in 2020, just three short years away? Bijoy, one sentence. Give me your prediction. So in 2020, if we get together, we would be talking about the politics of things. How do we handle uh, the the major uh, unemployment, and uh, how is that problem going to be solved? Thank you. Dave Katona, one sentence from you. I think we're all going to be talking about uh, which uh, self-driving car we're going to be buying. 
<laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> if we haven't already, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Thank you very much, Bejoy Narayan. I just got some kind of an alert from Macy's. I don't know what they want, a fraud alert. Nobody's used my card, so I'm going to go check on that. <laughs> Have a happy Valentine's Day. It's in my wallet here. Dave Katona, thank you so much. Shout out to Christina. Shout out to Michael, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. You know what it is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out even today on Valentine's Day. Go out and be a game changer. Talk to you soon tomorrow. Coffee break with Game Changers. 11 a.m. here Eastern on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Music